talk about dreaming again today. How many of you know dreams get tested? Dreams get tested. I don't know anybody that's had a dream that just woke up one day and went, well, that was easy. Yeah, I barely had to do anything. It was like no work at all. I am the fulfillment of my own dream. If you think that, we're opening up a counseling wing in, um, in, in the fall. For the rest of us, we are not the fulfillment of our own dream. And it, and, and it requires work and it's difficult at times. Amen? Even a God-given dream is going to get tested. And I want to talk to you about that this morning and make sure we have the right mindset when it comes to the testing of our dreams. It's important to know what you believe, amen? Because life will challenge what you think you believe until you know what you believe. And having having centered yourself on this is the truth in my life. This is not just the truth in my life. This is truth. And it works in my life through God's will working itself out in my life. That centers us. That gives us stability to live. Amen? We're going to talk about that today. We're going to read James chapter 1. Just a few verses here from James. If you're familiar with the book of James, this is the uh, half-brother of Jesus. Not because Mary was married multiple times, but because... um, Jesus was born of a virgin. So James's half-brother, he's the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. He is extremely practical. And he believes if you have faith, it should be, it should be evident in your, in your walking it out in daily life. Amen? He says it's not enough just to claim you have faith. Somebody should be able to see it in, in, in action, at work. So James is writing this letter the church in Jerusalem, specifically probably to, to Jewish believers who had actually probably left Jerusalem after the stoning of a man named Stephen. Uh, he was martyred in front of a crowd. And after that, the church dispersed there in Jerusalem. So James is writing them a letter, trying to encourage them, trying to say, hey, faith is this thing that we live out every day. So we're going to read a couple of these first verses from James chapter one. Why don't you stand to your feet? We do this in honor of God's word. We're gonna start in James chapter one, verse two. Say amen if you're ready. Berkeley Springs, say amen. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Can we just stop there? You're not gonna see a commercial for that in today's culture. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Can we agree that James doesn't pull punches? 
Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for this letter that we have. Lord, we pray that that you would give us wisdom this morning through the Holy Spirit. Lord, you'd reveal your word to us. Open up the truth of your of your word to us today and let us apply it to our lives, Lord, and let our, let our faith be worked out physically when we leave here. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. I told you before, James is very practical and a lot of times very blunt. You just heard him say, it's like somebody, like if you ask God in a doubting fashion, if you doubt before you even ask. Anybody ever ask somebody like that? I know you're not going to give it to me, but I'm asking anyway. Just save your breath. James said, if you ask that way, it's like being tossed around by the sea with being unstable. Now think about this. Think about us coming together on a Sunday morning, lifting our hands in worship and saying, God, you're my God. You're, you're the same yesterday, day, forever. You're for me. You're with me. You never change, but I don't think you're going to give it to me. That seems a little unstable, right? It seems a little strange when you put in that, those terms and, and James is saying, hey, listen, listen, that's not the type of faith that God wants you to have. God wants you to have the that concrete faith that's being worked out every day. So he starts off in, in verse 2, he says, he says that we should be joyful when, when we're tested, be joyful when we meet various kinds of trials. I wrote this down, dreams are not always dreamy. Dreams are not always dreamy. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're dreamy, but the dream isn't all the time. Yeah, you're dreamy, but the dream isn't all the time. Look, if you got married uh, last month or 30 years ago or 50 years ago, you realize that, that you had a, a, a dream of what it would look like. And then you realize sometimes it's not that dreamy. Amen. If, if, you, if you set out something in front of you and said, man, I, wanna, I feel like God wants me to accomplish this. I, this is what I've been called to do. Sometimes, sometimes in the process of working all that out, it's not dreamy. It's not exciting. It's a matter of fact, it feels like a lot of work. And sometimes it feels like you're doing it all by yourself. And sometimes it feels like you don't, you don't have any help. And, and James says, look, this is, what, this is what happens. The testing of our faith. All kinds of various trials. I like it that James doesn't, there, there's, other, there's other letters we can read in the New Testament that actually give some definition to trials. Some of them are religious persecution, some physical trials, but James just says all kinds. You're going to be tried in some type of way, some way, somehow. It may be unique to you. It may be, it may be common to everybody, but there's a trial Part of the dream is testing it. We don't get out of it. He understands that difficulties and trials were a part of every believer's life. And he's honest with the church that there will be difficult times. And by the way, listen to this. James doesn't give you a formula to avoid the trial. 
That's extremely important for us to understand in 2023 in the way religion is being viewed. He didn't give us a formula to avoid the trial. He gave us a mentality to approach the trial. Does that make sense? So he didn't say, you do this, this, and this, and, and you just have, God's going to grease the skids for you, man, and you're just going to make it. You're going to have everything you want. That's not what he said. He said, this is the mentality you have to have when the faith is being tested, when the, when the dream is a dreamy. This is the way you have to think. So he's not saying, Here, here's a formula to escape it. He's saying, here's a mentality to deal with it. And that is extremely important because as Christians, we often get sidetracked and we, and we say things like, I can't believe God is doing this to me. I can't, believe, I can't believe you let this happen. This was a dream he gave me and I can't believe it. So he said, there will be difficult times and it's unavoidable. Boy, aren't we encouraging it 9.33 in the morning. It's unavoidable, but it's also beneficial. Look at your neighbor and say, this is going to work out good for you. Tell him. It's going to end up working out good for you. He says various kinds. Trials comes in all shapes and sizes, from persecution to sickness to family issues to marriage problems. You name it. It's a trial that's happening. The trial, testing your faith, testing what God has put in you, testing the dream. Here's something else. It's also wise to understand that trials can be caused by other people. Don't look around right now. It's not a, it's not a good time to look around. It's not a good time to even glance sideways. It wouldn't be beneficial. James isn't trying to figure out who to blame for the trial. He's trying to give you a mentality to deal with it. Trials can be caused by other people, but they can also be caused by you. A little self-responsibility time. Here's something that I learned a while ago. You know... You know when a trial comes along, your sin can complicate the trial, even if you didn't start it. I remember growing up, um, me and my brother fought all the time, and, um, and my dad used to say, it takes two to tango. Well, we weren't from a dancing family. We went to church, you know, so I don't know what all that meant. Um, but he would say, it takes two. And what I realized, whether I started it or my brother started it, the sin in both of our lives said, we're going to finish it. You know where I'm going with this, right? So what happens is, James is giving us a mentality to use because he says, when you start going through a trial, what you have to do, he says, first of all, have a joyous, this isn't over, this isn't the end. God has not broken his promises to us. We are still saved. We are still inheriting eternal life. There is still a hope and a joy in front of us. Come on, amen? It's called a trial. It's not called a sentence. So a trial, he's saying, let's have the right mentality going into it. So the right mentality going into it is, Lord, okay, okay, this is a temporary trial thing. Even if it's to the end of my life, it's temporary. Amen? Because there's no indication that I'll have any trials in eternity. Amen? So he's saying this is a temporary trial. Here's the mentality I need you to, you to have going into it and going through it. I need you to understand that there are some benefits to it. But what I also have to understand conversely is that the sin in my life 
could complicate it even more. So everything I get myself into, or even if somebody does something to me, the sin in my life could exacerbate what has been done to me. You, you realize that, right? Victim mentality is not a gift from God. I can complicate what's happened to me by living as a victim. I can complicate what's happened to me by, by trying to enact vengeance. I can complicate what's happened to me by not forgiving. I can, I can make it worse than it needs to be. Can we agree with that? All right. Don't go out of here and say, Pastor Chris said it was all my fault. Pastor Chris said everything that happens in my life is my fault. I didn't say that, but I did say you have the ability to complicate it. So if we go back to what James says, he says, count it all joy. Be Okay, Lord, I'm going through this difficulty, and I'm going to have the right mentality about it. I'm going to, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my hope and faith in you, and, I, I, and I'm not going to do what, what, I, what naturally may come to me. I'm going to, I'm going to beat back the urge to retaliate. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have faith today to trust you in the middle of this difficulty. A lot of times when I'm, when I'm dealing with something, I'll pray this simple prayer, Lord, let me learn what I need to learn quick. Let me be a fast learner. I don't want to take the second grade over again. I don't want to take the third grade over again. Lord, let me, let me learn it quick because I know I have the capacity to extend my learning opportunities. Lord, let me, let me get what you're trying to tell me quickly. I don't want to have to walk through this very long. So, trials. But we find out that suffering is the way of Christ and the believer. We should not and will not be immune to it. We shouldn't think that we'd be immune to it. We have the example of Jesus' life and we see him all the way to the cross. He doesn't, he doesn't avoid suffering. He's not looking at the disciples going, oh man, we can't go out of the house today. He's not trying to avoid it. He's not, he's not saying they're going to arrest me in the Garden of Gethsemane and I can't go there. No, he's in He's actually embracing it, showing them this is how this is how you do it. And he's instructed us the same thing. He said, "Listen, there's going to be difficult times on this world, but I've overcome the world." Amen. So the dream will always be tested. The dream will always be tested. James says, "For you to know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness." And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I've been, um, how many of you like test? Wow, this is pretty universal. <laughs> the strange thing is, if you don't test yourself, how do you know you're capable? Um, I, I used to work out, um, I used to work out. That's, that's a funny thing when you remember those things. Um, I used to work out, and I, and I always liked. Anybody, anybody used to work out? And anybody do max day? And, and you, would, you would go to the gym, and you'd be like, man, I got to test this thing. I got to see how strong I got. 
I got to see how strong I am. I was always measuring myself against something. Like, what did I do last month? What did I do? Like, how many times could I do this weight? And how, many, and how much max weight could I do? And I was always testing myself against what I had previously done. It was, it, it was a thing. Like, I wanted to test the waters and see if I had gotten stronger. It's scary to me that we're living in a culture in America that is moving away from testing. Come on. We're moving away from the whole idea of figuring out if we're good at what we claim to be. We're moving away from the idea of um, setting. I remember, you, you remember taking the test in school. You remember taking the test. You remember the Scantron? The stupid little bubbles? Just the bubbles made me nervous. You know what I'm saying? Like, fill in the circle dark with a number two pencil and don't go out of the line. And I'm like, the answer's right, but I went out of the line, so it's going to be wrong. I don't know what they're going to do with me. It's like, color inside the lines, Chris. I know, but it's so tempting. The test was there to figure out what you knew what you believed, how, how, how much of it you had absorbed. The test was there to reveal what was there. So it's, isn't it a little bit naive of us to think, to think that God would put something in us and then not test it? That there would be faith that was untested. How, how, do we, how would we even describe it as faith? How would we even describe it as this is a dream I'm willing to do anything for if we're not tested in it? How do we know what we believe unless that's put to the test? So all of a sudden we find ourselves in circumstances where we have to decide, do I believe that or do I not believe that? There's no God-given dream that we simply just stroll through without a measure of difficulty. And actually, James believes the opposite. James believes difficulty... Perceived with the right mindset produces completeness in our lives. I would venture to say that without testing, we're not complete. Amen? But I need you to be clear on what's being tested. Everybody lean into me for a second. I need you to hear this right now. God is not attacking you. This is not God's wrath on your life. This is, not, this is not God saying, I'm not pleased with you. Our, don't our minds go there really quickly? God, what did I do? Why would you do this to me? Why would you? How would you? How could you? No, no, no. James isn't saying that. James isn't saying that he's attacking us. James is saying every believer walks through this test. The theme of James is that true faith will be a visible faith that produces good works. So how does it become a visible faith? By testing it. You can tell your teacher till you run out of breath. I read the book. But the only way they're going to know you read the book is to ask you questions about the book. Now, I remember saying those teachers were mean. We get a test every week. I don't understand. They must hate me. They don't like me. Anybody else? Yeah, and so we superimposed just because they were trying to figure out what we know with them being against us. 
And if we're not careful, we carry that on as adults. When the test, when the trial of our faith, when the, when the test of the dream, when the difficulty comes, we go, God, how dare you? And God's like, what? You said you knew it. You said you knew the material. So the test came along to make sure we knew the material. Amen? What good is it to be able to quote scripture if we can't practically live it out? Oh, we got to forgive each other, but don't you do anything bad to me. I'll forget that scripture real quick. So the issue is, God is not against us when we go through difficult times. Look at your neighbor and say, he's actually for us. Tell him, God is for you. God is for you. And actually walking through this will make you a more complete follower of Christ. It's testing what you know. So listen to me real quick. We're setting ourselves up for failure when we believe faith equals easy. Did you hear that? We're setting ourselves up for failure when we think faith equals easy. If you just had enough faith, this would get better. If you just have enough faith, the whole thing will change overnight. If you just have enough faith, you'll never have to walk through anything difficult. If you just had enough faith, no, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says through this trial, it'll prove that you have faith. So faith does not equal easy. Jesus' example to everyone showed that his that obedience was how you fleshed out faith. He did exactly what the Father told him to do. Never deviated from it. So how do we know you have faith? In the most difficult times in your life, what do you do? The Garden of Gethsemane, what does he say? Lord, is there any way that this cup, is there any other way we could do this? And then he said, but not my will, yours be done. Jesus wasn't saying, oh man, the Father must hate me. He must hate my guts for making me do something like this. No, he said, he loves so much, he sent me. So could it be that God wants us to be complete, our faith? He wants to complete the dream he put in us. And part of completing the dream he put in us is to test it in the middle. Is to test it in the middle. And so what happens is we've, we've had a, a distorted version of faith. And here's how the modern version of faith is measured. The modern version of faith is measured by what you have. Hmm. By what you have. How much, how much, do, you know, oh, God's, how many times have you heard this? Walk in somebody's house. I'm glad you got a nice house. I want you to have a nice house. But this is what we say. Got a nice house. And we say, oh, God bless me. God bless him. It's a nice house. You know, I know some devils that own nice houses. Don't look around. I know some devils that own nice houses. Can, I, can, I, can somebody say amen? I know devils that own nice cars. I know devils that have good jobs. I know devils that can make more money than you can ever imagine. But the church gets sucked into it. We say, we, we say that all the time. Oh, man, God's blessing you. But you know what we never do? We never look at somebody walking through a trial and go, God's blessing you. We never look at somebody with financial difficulties and say, God's blessing you. We never look at somebody walking through a tough time in a marriage and going, God's blessing you. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a fun conversation? God gave you that husband. 
It's blessing you. Because we measure faith by what you have. The Bible measures faith by what you've been through. It's a totally different measurement. Because wealth and material things evaporate like the morning dew. But what you've been through doesn't. And when you trust God enough to walk through some things, then your faith, then the dream is real. It's not fleeting with the economy. It's real. So we have to be a people that that measure faith by what we walk in and walk through. Man, that's a sign of faith. And I bet you know people, I know the poorest people on the planet with more faith. Because it's not measured by what they have. Is measured by what they've been through, what they're going through, what they will walk through. We've got to learn how to measure it differently. What's the indicator of faith in your life? James is telling us it's not always going to be dreamy, and it will be tested. It will be tested. Because testing the dream, testing your faith, produces something called steadfastness. Steadfastness. That's a very important word. Do you know that? The older I get and the more difficulties I walk through, the more even I become. Anybody ever notice that? I make it a habit to to meet with Uh, older men on a regular basis. You know why? Because they're all calm. uh, They're all calm. Like I could tell them something falling apart in my life and they'll go, it'll be all right. And I'll be like, oh man, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. This is difficult. I don't know what to do. I'm like, Chris, it'll be fine. And I'm like, how are you so calm? They've been through everything that I could think about going through. And guess what? They made it. And they're looking back at me going, hey, it's a little test of your faith here. Settle down. Stop being crazy. Look at your neighbor. No, don't. (laughs) Stop worrying. Stop being anxious about it. Stop. Chris, this is a test of what you know. This is a test of what you believe. This is a test about how you'll respond. This is a test about everything that you preach. This is a test. This is a test. It's like it coming on the radio and you hear the noise. This is a test. Everybody's like, the radio? What are you doing? They don't have that on Spotify. I think they should do national things on the Spotify too. So what happens is that they inherently understand because they've been through the process that God is creating steadfastness in me. And here's why it's so important. Here's why it's so important. Because it makes you even. It means you can handle circumstances with the right mindset. It it means you don't get off track is, is easy. It means your emotions are in check. It means all these steadfast. 
It means I'm grounded. It means, it means you ever been on the beach and the, and the, and the waves start hitting you? And, and, and if you position yourself right, you can turn yourself a little bit sideways, get your feet good, you can withstand a lot of the waves. Why? Because you position yourself. Now, if it's your first time out on the beach and you run like this, head first, you're getting knocked out. But if you have a little bit of experience in the surf, you can position yourself in a way that you're not taking all the brunt, that you're stabilized, that you're, that you're ready, you're anticipating, you're, you can handle it, you're not nervous, you're, you're, you're pretty good until you step on a little crab and then you just freak out. But No, you're good. God's trying to teach you through a trial how to get your feet planted. How to get your feet planted. Because James talks about that. In verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Unstable. Unstable. Can I tell you something this morning? What the world needs is a stable church where they walk into it and everybody's like, we've seen this wave before. Don't worry, God's got you. We've walked through this thing before. Don't worry. He's going to be, he's going to be with you every step of the way. Oh, we, we've seen this trial. We've seen this attack. We've, we've witnessed all this stuff. We've walked through it. And we can walk right along beside you, hold your hand. Come on, you remember? I remember my kids when they were little. I'd take them out in the ocean, and I'd just toss them in the biggest wave. No! You don't do that with your kids. Right? They're like, my dad just tossed me in the deep end and told me to start swimming. No, you don't do that with your kids. What do you do? You walk them into the wave when they're, when they're how old were they? Three or four years old? I don't know. And, and you hold them first. And you start walking them in, and then they feel the first wave, and they're like, whoa, whoa. You know, because Ocean City's freezing in the summer. And, and you walk in the first wave, and they're like, <gasps> and then you And then you start getting them used to it. You get them used to it, and you get them used to it. And then, and then they get a little bit bigger, and you hold them by the hand, and that first wave almost knocks them down, but you just grab them. No, you just hold them up. And then they, and then they get a little bit bigger, and you see them. You see them start to get a little confidence, right? A little confidence, and they, and and then, th- this does happen sometimes. They get a little too confident in themselves. <laughs> and then they come up crying, and they're blowing seawater out of their nose, and and their bathing suits around their knees, and 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 you're like, "Come on, buddy, it's fine. You're gonna make it." come on. And they come running up the beach and you, you shake the water out of them and then you take them right back in. And then one day they're taller than you going, hey dad, look how this works. There's a completeness that's happened through the difficulty. The issue is James doesn't want us to be people that are like, oh, no, no, I can't do it. No, no, I can't do it. No, I, uh, oh, God, I need your help, but I can't. Oh, I said, come on. Come on. Trust him in the middle of it. 
Trust him in the middle of it. He's got, the, he's got you by the hand. Don't be tossed back and forth. Don't be, don't, be, don't be tossed around. He's got you. And this is what he says. Ask for help. Ask for help. He links. This is all linked together. Listen to how it reads. He says, and and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. Did you hear that? That your steadfastness may be perfect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in what? Nothing. He does not want you to lack in anything. And I'm not not talking about finances. He doesn't want you to lack in anything as an individual, as a complete person. The believer, the child of God, has no reason to lack in us. Amen? Amen? And here is what he tells us to do. If you lack, did you pick that up? The trial that you're going to walk through, that you're going to walk through, is a test of faith. And and it can produce steadfastness in you and completeness so that you lack nothing. Now, this isn't a new thought. He's not switching gears. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't start, he's not starting a new paragraph to change the subject. No, he says, so that you will lack nothing. But he says, if some of you lack, did you hear that? What did he say that you would lack? Mm. Do you know what wisdom is? Wisdom is knowledge with experience. Wisdom is knowledge with experience. Now, what happens to us when we're young? We got some knowledge, and everybody says, that's cute, kid. I'm glad you read the book. But what happens, we get wisdom when we test that knowledge with the experience. So he's not telling us that he's going to give us some trivial thing. He's saying, I'm going to give you the complete version. I'm going to give you wisdom now. I'm going to give you wisdom. So he says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask in faith and it'll be given to you. How do we get wisdom? We have knowledge that comes from the word of God and then that knowledge is tested out through our experience. Because James tells us faith without works is not faith at all. So what he's saying is faith without you living it out in an experiential matter Faith without actually applying it to your life is not faith. It's just talk. So you can say, well, I have faith. And you can say, I have faith. But how do we know it? Because of what we do proves how much faith we have. Amen? Remember, go back to the, what we talked about. It's not how much you have, but it's how much you've been through. So the testing of our faith, the testing of the dream God put in, it's, it's walking through, walking it out in real life. So James says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask, and he'll give it to you. See what this is starting to look like? A circle. <laughs> it's starting to look like a circle. Okay? How many of you have ever prayed for wisdom? Can I ask you this? How many of you ever prayed for wisdom? Uh, how many of you ever prayed for patience? Anybody? You know what happens? It's crazy. It is really crazy. When you pray for patience, God gives you like seven 
147 million opportunities to be patient. Yeah. Lord, I just want to be a patient person. How'd I get four kids? You ask for patience, Chris? I don't have four kids. We got three kids. I was talking about somebody else. You ask for patience, Chris? I'll just give it to you. All at the same time. How do you get wisdom? Because we've equated wisdom with knowledge and we just want God to fill our heads with things. We get wisdom the same way we get patience. God gives us opportunities to gain wisdom by experience coupled with the knowledge we have of him. So James is saying this. Do you realize this looks like a circle? We start out in verse 2, count it all joy when you face various trials because, because the trying of your, the testing of your faith produces produces this steadfastness and completeness in your life. And then he goes down, he says, if you, if you figure out that you lack wisdom, you should ask and with, with faith, with faith, ask with faith, not doubting, because if you doubt, you'll ruin the whole cycle. Because as long as we have faith, the thing keeps working. Lord, I feel like I need more wisdom. I don't, I don't, I'm not making good decisions here. I feel like I need more wisdom. I don't, I don't understand. Okay, Chris, go back to the, go back to my word, read what it says. And then I'm going to give you a chance to apply it by faith. So what happens? I go, God, I need wisdom. You put a dream in my heart and I'm going to see it all the way to the end to fruition. And I believe you want the same for me, that he who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it to the end. I believe you want the same thing in me. So what happens is I ask for wisdom. And he goes, okay, I'm going to give it to you. How does it happen? In a test of my faith. I just, nobody's going to pray for wisdom or, or, or patience anymore. Everybody's like, well, I don't want none of that. This is how it works. So he's saying, count it all joy when you get in the cycle. Because you know your faith is being strengthened, you understand inherently that, look, God is completing me. Now he's causing what I know about him to be fleshed out in reality. And he's given me the opportunity to do it. So now I look at every trial totally different. I look at, you, we, we can look at trials now and we can go, hey, you know what? This, this is not about God punishing me. This is about wisdom I need. This is about completeness in my life. And now I can be joyful that God cares enough about me to instill this in me. Amen? I would like to think that all of my kids are thankful that I let them go into the ocean at a young age. And we weren't standing off of, you know that ocean's dangerous. There's sharks and jellyfish which are all true. Yeah. But I'm not offering my kid up for shark bait. I'm teaching them how to swim in the ocean. Two different mindsets. God's saying, I'm not turning you over to the devil. I'm, I'm completing your faith. I'm giving you wisdom that you couldn't have gotten in any other way. I'm teaching you in this cycle. So here's what happens. It is very important how we approach these things. I'm going to wrap it up with this. The band could come up. Maybe you're in a trial right now. 
Maybe yours is tomorrow. Can't wait for Monday. Maybe yours is in a year. Maybe it's... Can we be honest? Can we be honest? How many of us have really ever went 10 years without a trial? If you have, you're a unicorn. (laughs) And there's fairy dust flying off of you everywhere. No, it doesn't happen, does it? What What we understand about ourselves is we live in cycles, don't we? It's the reality of life. It's the, I can talk to any of you and you'd be able to tell me something in your life right now. Man, my job is really difficult. And I don't, there's some things about it that I'm not sure are going to work out. And, I, man, uh, uh, and I can feel the tension in the conversation. Maybe some of you are sitting here and saying, my marriage. And maybe some of you are sitting here, man, it's school and, and I got this issue. And Every season of life has something. But now I approach it differently. I don't approach it like, God, I'm getting punished. I approach it as, Lord, you are testing my faith. You are completing me. At the end of this thing, you're giving me wisdom, a firsthand seat. He's walking me into the ocean and he's holding my hand with a grip that will never let go. And he's saying, Chris, we're gonna walk into this first wave. It's gonna be a little scary but I'm going to teach you how to do it. And then he says, we're going to walk out into the second way. Hey, Chris, we're going to walk out. I remember doing this with my kids. We're going to walk out till your feet can't touch the ground. When we get that far, trust me, don't start flailing because I'll let go. That was me. God doesn't do that. I was like, you're not drowned both of us. God won't let go. No, we're going to walk out till you can't touch the ground anymore. And we're going to, and we're gonna just we're gonna sit here a little bit till you till you figure out maybe how to tread a little, how to anticipate the wave. And then maybe we for a season get out past the waves. All the trials look different out there, don't they? It's not the wave anymore, it's the it's the what's under, what's what how can I can I can I tread one? But the whole time I'm with them. The whole time I'm not leaving them. The whole time I'm like, hey, you got this, come on, we can do it. I'm not gonna leave, just I, I got you. God does the same thing with us. So whether you're experiencing a little wave right now, you're just kind of stepping into it, and you're unsure about what's going to... No, he's there. It's a completeness thing he's doing in your life. It's a wisdom thing he's doing in your life. If the dream he put in you looks so far out, you don't know how. Like, Lord, it's through all these trials. It's through all these ways. Trust me, they're all building wisdom for you to accomplish what he put in you. It's all going to mean something at one time. It's sometime in your life you're going to look back and go, I am so glad I walked through that. I'm so thankful that he carried me through. I'm so thankful that I got that experience because I wouldn't be who I am right now if it wasn't for that. It wouldn't be, I wouldn't be who I am right now if it wasn't for that. And God is consistently and constantly working on us like that. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. I want to pray that over you this morning. Now listen to me. I, I, need you to, I need you to tell you something extremely important. If you are doing this without Christ, you are walking in the waves by yourself. And that is absolutely unnecessary. It's absolutely unnecessary. The God of all creation who loves you beyond anything you've ever experienced on this earth, 
Send Jesus to die for you, to forgive you of your sins, to take away all guilt, to take away all your shame, to give you a hope and a future. That's what, that's why we are here today. There is no reason to try any of this on your own. If you lack, he said we should ask him. Not try to muscle up, but ask him. Lord, I need your help. I need you to walk with me through this. I need you to give me wisdom. I can't do this on my own. We were not intended to do this by ourselves. We were intended to do it with him. So I implore you to make that decision this morning, to follow after him, to surrender your life to him, to let him forgive you of your sins, to proclaim him as Lord of your life. And and don't walk into another way without him. Don't walk through another trial without a purpose. Do not do it. But when you... When, you, when he forgives you and gives you a calling and a future, all of a sudden, all the things start to make sense. They, we start to understand, Lord, Lord, I'm not by myself. You're with me. I, this is not for no reason. This is to build me up. This is your will in my life, and I'm thankful for it, and I'm joyous about it. Amen? So make that decision this morning. And if you're walking through a trial... Cry out to him and let him give you everything you need to make it through that this morning. He is perfecting your faith in ways that that you may not understand till the other side. But he is with you. Father, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that you're... Lord, you're not only walking beside us sometimes, you're carrying us through trials. And Lord, I pray that if, if there's a person in here this morning that is a that has accepted you as their Savior, repented of their sins, Lord, I pray that they'd sense your presence like never before in a special way today. Confirm to them that you're real. And Lord, confirm to us, walking through difficulties, Lord, that you're with us and for us, completing us in faith. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name.